0: Hello, welcome to the Down Back Drop podcast hosted by Connor Evers, the Director of Recruiting for the PGA Golf Manager Program here at Methodist University. This podcast is recorded live from the Mass Communications Department here on campus with special help from Paul Joseph. Each week, I sit down with alumni, our PGM staff, and friends and family of the program, as well as current students. We share stories, key information, and best practices of why our PGA Golf Manager program here at Methodist University is the best in the United States of America. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Down Back Drop podcast. This is episode number 14. We're very excited to have Mr. Chris Biggins on the podcast. Chris is a 2014 graduate of Methodist University, as well as our PGA Golf Manager program. And he's originally from Columbia, Maryland. Chris, really appreciate you coming on. How are you doing today?
1: Doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, Glad of course. Where, where in the world are you right now? <laughs> so right now, I'm in Park City, Utah. In the winters, I spend my time uh, training with the National Ability Center Alpine Ski Team. I'm trying to make the United States Paralympic Ski Team, so I'm out here in Utah training this winter.
0: Very cool. How's that going so far?
1: It's good. Um, we're just glad to be racing after the tough year. Um, it was in question. Um, we just had our first races of the season last week, and now we're in a good training block, so we're we're back in full action here.
0: Good, good to hear. Well, just kind of, if you don't mind, go go through kind of your upbringing. Um, you know, and how golf came into your life as well.
1: So, I was born with cerebral palsy, which is a disability that affects my legs, weakness in my legs, and my back and um but i was always into sports so i had two brothers we were very competitive we played every sport there was Mm -hmm. and during the summers golf was uh was a big one for us we all loved it and that was one that i could excel at that my disability didn't really limit me too much on Mm -hmm. so i could beat my brothers at that and i uh kind of gravitated towards golf as my life went on but i was always a huge huge sports fan any and all sports
0: Good. What um, was was golf your favorite, or was there a different one? Or when did that all change?
1: I don't know. It depended on the time of year. In sure. The summer, it was less. In the fall, it was soccer. In the spring, it was baseball. So it was all over.
0: Cool. Nice. Nice. And when did um, when did you know that golf was going to be a part of your career? Why did you come to Methodist?
1: So that was my. I guess the decision was made my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. I um dropped off of baseball after my um sophomore year of high school and gravitated towards golf I was upset I didn't make the baseball team and I needed to gravitate towards a sport where the scorecard would show how good I was not like a coach's decision sure so I gravitate towards golf and I had a really good senior year and golf was sort of my life those last two years of high school and I wanted to keep it going I wanted to play and uh Methodist University came up as the the top PGM school and I took a visit and I was sold as soon as I got there because it was uh, it showed me I could stay in golf even though like high school I wasn't a kid anymore. I could still sort of be a kid and be around sports even throughout college and have a career in it. So that's what was the easy sell for me being in sports and being in golf.
0: Great. And, and did you know about the PGA golf manager program before you came to Methodist? Was that kind of the reason why you visited and why you were attracted to the school? Or um, did you actually just come to the school and then find out about it here?
1: Yeah, I found out about the PGM programs first. And then I was told um, one of my friends actually at the golf course I grew up playing ended up going to Methodist. I'm not sure if he he um, must have been two years before me. Three years before. him, But he he mentioned, well, there's a school out there you can go to and actually have a career in golf. And I was looking at PGM schools and Methodist was the one that stood out as the top one. And so that's why I made my visit. And I wanted to be able to play on the golf team as well. And I believe Methodist was one of two where you could still play on the golf team and be in the PGM program. So that was a big selling point for me
0: sure that's that's very cool. Good to hear. Well, talk more about your your time as a student here at Methodist. you know what what things you were involved in inside the PGM program as well as out
1: So at Methodist, I showed up and I had a a great bunch um of friends that I met immediately. It was really easy to make friends through the golf program because everyone's out at the golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to be good friends with a lot of the guys on the team, and my huge goal from day one was to make the golf team. And, uh, as it progressed, like school was in the way too. there. I tried to get my minor in exercise science as well. Cause I loved being around sports and I loved the pursuit of trying to teach the game. And I knew there was so much to learn there. And so methods had a lot of offer to me in that, in that sense and the educational side. And then, um, just a great community down at the golf course, the great spot to go at the end of every day of classes and go play, have fun, and also try to compete.
0: Great. That's fantastic to hear. And talk also about your internships while you're a student here. I know, like I just mentioned, you're in the summers, you are an assistant professional at the Country Club of Birmingham, but talk about your internships and how you got to your current position in Birmingham.
1: Yeah, so my first internship was at Woodmont Country Club in Maryland, and that was around where I grew up. So it wasn't a complete, like, just leave Maryland forever and go to <laughs> sure. school and then go to Um So I had to stay somewhat close to home. And that was an internship in outside operations. I got to dip my feet a little bit into junior camps there. And I got to play a lot of golf as well. And it was a good, it was a really tough summer. but It was a good experience uh, to dip my feet in a lot of different areas and do a lot of dirty work, I guess. So um, later on in my career, I can go back to that. And I know I've been there, done that. I know how it works. I know how hard the The entire golf staff works in every operation. Um, So it was a great first learning experience. And then the next year, I wanted to get more into teaching. And Eric Eshelman, who is actually my current boss now Mm -hmm. and was the director of golf at the Country Club of Birmingham, came down to do a seminar at Methodist. And uh, he was – I mean, he's just an infectious guy. He was a fantastic mentor for us and was a great speaker at our seminar. So I kind of fell in love with his type of operation, and I wanted to intern for him. And he held a bunch of interviews, and I was lucky enough to to get the job my sophomore year. And then they had the United States Mid Amateur my second year Mm -hmm. there, so he brought me back for that. And at that point, um, Birmingham was basically second home there, and I needed to go back and stay. So I did three internships there. Club Birmingham and I've been there ever since. (laughs)
0: That's cool. Pretty, pretty easy transition, I guess. (laughs) And and like I mentioned, assistant professional, what other things do you do there? um, Kind of on a day-to-day basis, Chris, if you don't mind
1: sharing some insight on that as well. Yeah. So my main uh, job is I run the junior golf program there. We have Mm -hmm. a massive junior program. We had 232 kids playing our junior club championship this past year. Wow. That's fantastic. uh, Yeah. So it's, it's huge. It's it's fun. It's really busy. Um, you can ask a lot of the uh, interns we've had the past few years uh, from Methodist, uh, like McRae Conrad this past year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it's sun up to sundown in the summer. You're working, but it's a blast. And we run uh, we ran nine junior camps this year that are week long camps. We have after school programs in the spring and the fall, and run as many tournaments as possible. And it's one of those uh, programs where it doesn't matter what kind of event it is If we put it on, it's going to be fully attended because the amount of uh, junior golfers we have and how much they love the game, it's just a great spot to be. And so we, we try to keep them um, entertained, get them into the golf, get them learning how to play the right way and um, have a lifelong journey through golf. And we like to have it started at our club. So it's been a blast running that.
0: Well, that's, that's really good to hear. I, I'm glad you're growing the game, you know, within the club and, and those students will hopefully go to, go to college and maybe play golf, get a scholarship and maybe even come to Methodist one day. So that's, that's good. Um, yeah. good, good with the work there so far. So, um, you talked, obviously you, you made the golf team at Methodist kind of talk about that process, um, and, and kind of the motivation that made you end up making a team.
1: Yeah. So that the day I made the golf team for the first time was probably the moment that sticks out as the highlight of my golf career. Mm. Cause it was something when I came in there, my first two years, I learned how hard it was to make that team and how many good players were that all wanted it and the the players on the team how um outstanding they actually were at the game and they compete on a lot of division one teams and it was something I really inspired like aspired to to make and a lot of times my first two years I didn't know if it was possible. Um it was kinda of like a pipe dream. Hmm. And so when I finally made that team, um it was a lot of hard work, a lot of help from my teammates and um like extra motivation coming from my classmates and friends and family. And, uh, it was just, it was a kind of a team effort making that team. And, um, it was, it will always stand out as one of the highlights of my life making it. And then I got to play in, in a tournament, my senior year at Camp Lejeune. um, I qualified actually first for the golf team my senior year Wow! and try. So it was, uh, that'll stick out. It was like one of those, even looking back now, like that's one of the, the coolest things I've ever done as a, as a golfer in my life. And I'm really proud of, played on that team.
0: Very cool. And and to your your playing as well. You're a part of the European Disabled Golfers Association as well. Talk more about that group and, and you know how you fit into to that kind of core as well. And um, you know, you've been very successful with that too. But just kind of shed some light on, on that uh, too, if you don't mind, Chris.
1: Yeah. So I first got into disabled golf in twenty sixteen. And that was, I mean, I've always wanted to compete, like playing on the golf team at Methodist and now uh, trying to compete for a Paralympic spot on the ski team. But um, there wasn't really an avenue after college that I could pursue for competitive golf besides um, just section events and against other able-bodied golfers. And then I played in one disabled golf event in 2016 and Mm -hmm. met some of the disabled athletes from around the world. And they absolutely blew me away. Golfers with, with only one leg, golfers who have only one arm um multiple different spinal injuries and physical or muscular disabilities and every one of them had a different way of playing the game and could be still great at it um, and not just like good for a golfer with disabilities like good golfers period and mm. so i wanted to i fell in love with the disabled golf world after that and i uh it gave me something that i could compete for um like outside of just normal section events on a global stage, even We've got to travel a ton. And then recently, this past in twenty nineteen, the EDGA partnered with the European Professional Tour, and um, they were going to invite ten golfers to play in an exhibition match they had at the Scottish Open, and then ten golfers to play at the Dubai finale at the end of the European Tour season. And I was able to get into the Scottish Open because I won the United States Disabled Championship a few weeks before they made the selections, and the USGA got to to choose someone. So I was lucky enough to get chosen for that. And the the at that tournament we played same course, same tees as the professionals. We played a half hour before them. Uh, we got to get the full tournament experience. By the time we got to the back nine, we had the the fans were were filing in. We had hundreds of people watching us in every hole. We literally felt like we were in a professional golf event, which is a dream or a pipe dream for, for most of us disabled golfers because we can never really compete at that level. But mm-hmm. we got a taste of it, and um, I got to see some of the absolute most incredible golfers in the world with disability that way. And it's given me more of an incentive to play and something massive to play for. And They're going to continue – the EDGA is going to continue that partnership with the European Tour and have um, – hopefully a world golf tour for golfers with disability with at least 10 events per year, um, in partnership with the European tour. And so that's a really massive part of the or demographic that is growing the game. Um, golfers with disabilities and the European tour EDGA is, um, at the forefront of that and doing it the right way to make it fair and fun.
0: Well, that's, that's a great, what a really, really cool story and, and congratulations on, everything you've done so far. Um, that, that's great. Do you have any other goals, uh, you know, f- on the playing side of things in the, in the future years as well?
1: Yeah, my, for golf, I want to be the number one ranked disabled golf in the world. Uh, right now I'm um, world ranked number nine. I was wow. eight before coronavirus hit, but the, uh, I mean the top, anyone in the top 20 has a, has a real shot right now. And the game is growing so tons of new golfers with disability are getting introduced to the game and they have something to play for. So it's going to explode and the talent level, everyone is going to explode. So I, I feel like in the, in the two events I've played have come third and fourth, fourth in Scotland, third in Dubai. Um, and I, I really feel like at my best, I can, I can win one of those events. And um, after getting a taste of that big of a stage, I want to continue to go after it. And so my goal will be world ranked number one golfer in the world. And hopefully, I want the golf uh, or golf to be accepted as a Paralympic sport mm. by uh, twenty twenty eight, if possible. We've we're really been pushing it for the last few years. It's a long process to get it accepted, but that would be another goal of mine. Would be to golf in the Paralympics and make golf a Paralympic sport.
0: That's really cool. I think we have a, a lot of support behind you, Chris. That's that's great. Um, uh, and then you also mentioned, like you said, you're, you're out, um, training, um, for skiing as well. Yeah. You know, talk a little bit more about, um, you know, U S Paralympic team and, and, uh, how that all process works for you too, in the winter as a, as a golf pro too.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I'm lucky. And this goes back to, um, my boss, Eric Eshelman. I'll tell you the quick story how it all got started is I, after college, I wanted to compete in something and I saw when I was at Methodist, I saw the Sochi Paralympics with my roommates and they knew I skied and they're like, Chris, why don't you like you ski? Why don't you go out there and try to do that? And it was all new to me. I had skied uh, on vacations, um, but I had never raced before. I didn't even know I was eligible to ski in the Paralympics. And then I went to a, I researched, I went to a camp in Colorado that was supposed to be one week long just to see what it was all about. And uh, I fell in love immediately, kind of like my first disabled golf event. I mean, the athletes were incredible. And I, Uh, called Eric after the first week, said, Hey, I want to, like, this is something I want to do. Is there a way I can get like two or three weeks off during the winter to do it? And Eric said, like, what do you mean two or three weeks? Like take, take six, take eight, like take everything (laughs) you need. Like, don't, don't go halfway for this. Like go after and get it. Like we'll, we'll cover you during the winter. And so, I mean, the amazing staff at the country club Birmingham covers everything for me at, at the winter. So I can go and, Commit fully to this ski training, and I've been doing that since 2014. So it was a, a one-week trip that turned into three months that first year, and now it's it's been a, a seven-year ride it's trying to make the the Paralympic team.
0: Wow, great, great job! when When did uh, when did you start skiing? Was that at a younger age, or was that um, when you're a little bit older?
1: Yeah, I started skiing just on vacations. We had a uh, a mountain we like to go to up in Vermont, and I grew up in Maryland. It was about eight. Uh, hours away and so if we had a, a long weekend or a, a christmas break we'd all pile in the car and the family would go up there for three to five days of skiing um so it was probably just maybe 10 to 15 days a year we'd ski on vacation and loved it it was a, a great spot had a ton of great memories when i was younger so i never really considered racing until after college but it was my i guess the seed was planted uh for my love for the game when we would go on vacations as a kid
0: Very cool. Nice. And what's like your favorite memory? Um, I know you, you mentioned uh, making the golf team, but what is your favorite memory uh, of being a student here at Methodist besides
1: um, making the golf team? So it was just, I mean, there's like a hundred (laughs) of down there at the course. And I guess, I mean, I had some of my best friends still now I met in college and there were four of us or yeah, I guess there were four. Yeah. Four of us that lived together. Um, It was me Brian Huntzicker, Cody Conklin, Jeremy Gilcash, and Kevin Foster. We were best of friends in college, and we would uh, play golf after school. We'd go home, and we'd have a little field outside of our apartment. We'd throw the the frisbee, we'd play football, we'd play baseball, we played all types of sports. So I kind of found my kind of people in college, and I just when I think about it, I think about those those days after class or on the golf course or out there, always being allowed to, to play sports and just being with a great group of guys. It was a, a good family feel at Methodist and great friends. That's what I remember the most.
0: Good. That's good to hear. And, um, you know, what's one thing you learned while you're a student uh, here at Methodist? If it was in the classroom, it was just through the PGM program or maybe on an internship. You know, what's one thing you learned um, during your time here that you still use to this day?
1: Well, I guess the first week of college, they told us that we were going to change the most in college. I guess they told our, mm. our parents that. You think you know your son or daughter now, wait till you see him in four years. <laughs> and it wouldn't just be one thing I learned. I just, um, I was a little shy. I had like a quiet confidence when I went into Methodist, but I really opened up and learned how to talk to people. All the shyness went away. Um, just loved being around people. So just, I think the thing I learned the most was was how to be more of a people person and how to try to light up a room and not be life of the party, but just be, be energetic and try to make someone else's day better. And I learned that sort of mentality from all my friends and the great people at Methodist. So nothing really specifically in the classroom, but just more about how to be a great person and how to be engaging.
0: Very cool. I think that's kind of the experience we, we try to give as well for, for students. So good to hear it. And, and last thing here, what's some advice you'd give for a prospective student that's looking to come to Methodist?
1: For a student coming to Methodist, i Man, I mean, I'd tell them try to learn as much as you can, and and have fun with it. So, for us in the golf business, you see a lot of people might drop off. Um, like not everyone that walks in the first day is going to graduate, but the ones who do are the ones who make it fun, and the ones who find ways to enjoy the game and figure out why they came in the first place. So I grew up as a a kid at a public golf course that. It was almost a, a part three course. It was a very short course, and it wasn't in great shape, but I absolutely had a blast with it. And so I, I came in, and I appreciated every little thing about golf, whether it was a nice course or a, a course that, like a muni golf course. Um, just find ways and find the parts of golf that, that you love and stick to that and try to grow the game that way.
0: Cool. Well, I really appreciate your time, Chris. Um, really, really do. I think we learned uh, a lot more about you and, and kind of your journey and how Methodists fit in kind of that journey as well. Um, you know, best of luck in the future on and off the golf course. Really appreciate it.
1: Thanks so much, Connor.
0: Yeah, thank you. Again, this was episode number 14 of the Down Back Drop podcast. Happy Friday and have a great weekend.